Well, look who's here. Oh, Cece, I'm so glad to see you. I feel awful for sending your letters back. I don't even know what happened in New York, and I don't care anymore. I want you to know, whatever it was that you said, I forgive you. Go home. I have nothing to say to you. No, I do have something to say to you. You and your damn letters. Every time I opened one, I was happy before I even read it. Just to get them made me feel important. All your crappy stories, your big dreams. I didn't know that. Well, what the hell did you know? Did you know how bad things were for me? Did you know my career was in the toilet? No, because you didn't answer one of my letters. If only you'd answered one, just one. Tell me what a jerk I was, anything. I don't know how to fight back. I'm not strong like you. You took away your friendship without even discussing it with me. That friendship was more important to me than anything. I trusted it, I believed in it, but you didn't and now it's gone. Thank you very, very much for forgiving me, but I do not forgive you. I was jealous. I was so jealous of you, I couldn't see straight. You did everything you said you were going to do, everything. And your talent, this incredible talent. I can't even yodel. Hillary, what does yodeling have to do with it? You're beautiful, you're smart, people look at you. It's all my fault. No, it's our fault. I can fly than an eagle. You are the wind beneath my wings. She's the wind beneath my wings. It's Elizabeth Gomez. After the week she's had, she wants to fly. Fly, fly higher than the sky. It's Adrian Gum. <laughs> I was gonna say Gunmez. <laughs> Basically, that's the that's the case. It seems to be at the this case. point. And this is Wokefield, where two middle-aged comedians are trying to manifest, putting it out there, asking the universe, and we're even open to sugar daddies to gift us a lake house and ridiculous hats. <laughs> really ridiculous hats. Each week, we watch a classic movie from the eighties and ni- or nineties and talk about how having your best friends be fictional really fucks up your ideas about how to be a person. Today we're talking about Beaches from 1988 starring Bette Midler and Barbara Hershey, a film that Roger Ebert described as lacking the spontaneity of life. <laughs> I thought <laughs> that was that's savage. Yeah, no, it was like, wow, Roger did not like that one at all. Uh, fucking white men. Unlike Dirty Dancing that we covered last week, Beaches was met with meh reviews. I mean, really like people are like, I, I don't really care about this movie. And why? Because most critics hated it for being everything Forrest Gump. <laughs> Sorry, Adrian. <laughs> Contrived and manipulating. Hey, you know, I think storytelling is supposed to be contrived <laughs> and manipulating, but then Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings became a huge hit, and Barbara Hershey had to get her lips done to look younger in the film, and their mutual love interest, John, an intense theater director, turned out to be a pedophile in the book that the movie is based on. So, you know, we're glad they cut that part out. I am really excited about that. I was like, how do I work this into the intro? And yeah. then I just did it, even though it makes no I was going to say, it doesn't There's make no rhythm. No, no, it, it doesn't really make that much sense, but you know 
know what? This movie is a classic. It is a classic. Yeah. But I also was like, we're probably not going to talk about the pedophile part because no. that's really just gross and no one wants to talk about right. it. But I was but like, but you it still is... want to talk about well, it? I was just like, it's so interesting. <laughs> I had no idea. Even when you watch the movie, you have no clue. Um, <laughs> everyone, we have no guests this week. None. It's just the two of us, us. talking female friendships, yep. children who do too much, and why it's important to have a really good hairstyle. <laughs> Anna, this is all about you. Shout out, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adrian, set us up. Okay, so we're opening. And the opening fucking killed me. I texted you like immediately. So Bette Midler is at the Hollywood Bowl, and we're going to pan in from backstage where she's on stage and she's singing. And it's so 80s. Like there's like a keyboardist, you know, and like a button up shirt, like bopping, you know, <laughs> with like a Richard Marks bouffant. Yes. Like it is so 80s. And Bette Midler's wearing like the that 80s, like bright blue kind of like it was a blazer, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And then like slacks and heels. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's so 80s. And then and then she's got, you know, like this sold out show. But she gets she gets a note. She gets a note. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. She has to leave immediately. 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 So it's like this huge Hollywood bowl show that they're going to cancel. Yes. Because she gets a note from her friend mm-hmm. Hillary. Yeah. Finding out that Hillary is on her last day. She's sick. She's got to get the fuck out of there. And it's raining in Los Angeles. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so Beth gets into her car or Cece gets into her car and yeah. she like drives off to San Francisco. And then yes. we start this world of montages. Yes. There's like not a moment where they don't have a montage. Yes. It's mostly flashback montages, which is perhaps lacking the spontaneity of life per <laughs> Roger Ebert. Because it's it's not always like a cause and effect situation. Right? No. And like we just really- see glimpses of their lives yeah and you don't yeah. ever really get like any kind of action in the in the montages yeah. but we go back we find out how cc and hillary meet yeah, each other tell me tell me so so cc is uh or hillary's on the beach in uh, probably new jersey and she's walking the boardwalk she's crying yeah. she's upset she yeah. like walks to a pair of stairs because she's like yeah. i'm lost i'm 11 oh yeah. where are my parents and then she looks under the stairs because which someone's... is like very 1950s or whatever this is like yeah <laughs> this bitch is gone no one fucking cares like <laughs> And she's crying, and then she hears a voice from under the stairs, and it is Cece. And what is she doing? Oh my God, it's Maya Bialik as young Bette Midler. And I gotta say, it was perfect casting. She's smoking a cigarette. So we're immediately set up that Maya Bialik is in like a flapper, showgirl, spangled, like dress it's like not even a a full dress yes it's like a showgirl outfit and she has wild hair and she's smoking a cigarette and she's wearing lipstick and then hillary is in like a pinafore This bitch has got with, on with like a little tight ponytail in the she's back. She's got a bay. Yeah, she's yep. got like a bow in the back, and so she's super proper and super rich. And then here's Wild Cece smoking, and she's like, "Will I will get you back to your hotel, but first come with me on my audition." <laughs> right. <laughs> and again, no one's looking for this child. No, no one <laughs> seems so concerned. Weird. So uh, the, the, they go on to this audition. The audition doesn't go well, and then um, Hillary. I'm sorry. Well, it goes well, but then, but so there is like a theme that um, Cece is like always a struggling she's like too Jewish she's too ethnic she's her hair is too wild like she's not like a typical beauty but Hillary is this like typical beauty but she's not talented right and so then in the scene they basically decide um, that Cece's going to go back to New York where she's from and Hillary's going to find her parents and there's this you know again I, we don't have to repeat this I guess it it's matter. like 
definitely opposites. Yes. So that's when we really go into deep into the m- m- montages. Yeah, because they're going to be pen pals. Right. So they start writing each other. And, we and find... next thing you know, they're in college. Yes. <laughs> well, Hillary is. Right. So we see Hillary like riding horses and telling Cece about it and how yeah. rich her family is and how yeah. she's going to go to Stanford. Yeah. Meanwhile, Cece just talks about how she's always going on these auditions and not doing well. Yes. Then eventually we see Cece at a jazz club. Yeah, singing mm-hmm. in a very 80s outfit. Oh, that Again, glitter yes. bolero. Yes. I was like, why don't I own that? A glitter bolero <laughs> in slacks. Yes. And she's like, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. And then she's definitely like one of those like saucy talkers. You know, yeah. she, she goes to her manager and she's like, give me some money. And he's like, no. And she's like, well, you know, and if I had more interest, I would definitely spend time like looking for the Bette Midler like oral history on this film because you can tell this bitch is fingerprints are all. All over it because yes. it's like Cece's rise to fame feels very much like Bet's story, and there are so many musical numbers. Yes, featuring Bet. <laughs> well, and Gary Marshall says that that's part of like she was the the whole reason for the script. Yeah, but I would also say that one of the things that I was watching this, I was like, wow, this is really like every story about fame, right? You go on yeah. a lot of auditions and then eventually you make it. Like that's yeah, like that's actually not that interesting in, yeah. in, the, in the long term. But Hillary. Cece's in the bar and then uh, this woman walks into the bar and she's just like, Cece? Yeah. And Cece's like, who are you? Right. <laughs> she's like, you don't recognize me? Yeah, bitch. I don't recognize you. You were 11 when I last saw you. You're we like do not now. have Facebook. <laughs> right. Like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> Cece's like, oh my God, it's Hillary. You should come back to my really shitty apartment in New York. Because, right. of course, she's a performer in New yeah. York. And the very normal trope is you have a real shitty apartment with a bathtub in the kitchen. Yes. I got to say, don't hate it. <laughs> you know? I love it. I mean, it's it's definitely like the opposite of watching like Million Dollar Listing New York. So I'm like into it. I'm into old school New York. Where yeah. there's just like, you know, they've got a homeless lady like drunk on the front stoop. Which doesn't feel very woke today. <laughs> but feels very like an 80s movie. Yes. And there's like pounding on the heat. Yes. you know all that stuff yeah. so anyways they become friends they do a lot of stuff together a big montage like quick 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 right then they meet this guy john john yeah. is the director of a group called the falcon play Th- yes. falcon theater players falcon whatever Waka. <laughs> we move on <laughs> Very john's the real wind beneath <laughs> everyone's wings yeah he's like hot and the girls are both into him yeah and um finally cc makes a big break with the falcon theaters and gets a lead role she ends in the up- weirdest play about industry i didn't I even it's know called, oh industry i think I, at one point she's like oh industry i don't even know there were weird masks <laughs> there was a lot happening but they, there's a premiere party and it's supposed to be cc's big moment but she's been keeping an eye on fucking hillary and john who like there's some shit going down next thing you know off those two disappear they're gone where'd yep. they go they done did it. They went to they fuck. They done did it. They went to fuck. The Poor sausage Cece. went into the into the tunnel. Poor Cece. <laughs> yes. She breaks a heel when she gets home. She's so she's drunk. She's so drunk. Oh, the police drop her at her house. Yeah. Yeah, because she was like, she got so upset. But this was very impressive to me, uh, the scene. And I, I I think we can discuss it later. But um, the scene where it's, it's Cece and Hillary in the apartment. And, you know, Cece's like, oh, yeah, you must have slept with this guy. And you yeah. knew that I wanted him. And Hillary's like, I did. I'm such a terrible person. And then... In two seconds, Cece's like, well, we're still friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just really quick. I mean, you know, I didn't hate it because no. I, I actually don't even think it was like not accurate to that character because I think the character is like practical. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I also thought it was great in terms of um, the fact that like, you know what, women, let's not fucking fuck around with fuck boys. 
Right? Yeah. Like, why are we fighting over yeah. that? There's no yeah. reason for it. Yeah. And so I thought that was like a very woke moment where she was just like, all right, well, you did you did the boy that I like, but we're good friends. So like, let's right. keep moving and, on. And they weren't together. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I, I didn't hate that part. So then um, Hillary finds out that her dad is sick and so she has to go back to like California. Her estate. <laughs> Her San Francisco <laughs> estate. I kept being like, where is this? Yes. In San Francisco. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's on acreage. Like, what is happening? So then uh, she is taking care of her family, and we get into another set of montages. Yep. yep. So at this time, Cece's star is rising. She's becoming more famous. And at that time, she's like, I'm going to get my man. And she does. She marries John. Yes. Yeah. So she gets, she her star is rising. John gets married to her. And then, in the and meanwhile, uh, Hillary is dealing with her dad her dad passes she ends up marrying the lawyer that was her yeah. dad's lawyer yeah she's such like white people shit <laughs> like so rich weird, weird yeah. shit like it was like my dad's attorney who like helped me with his will and his estate I'm gonna marry that guy yeah it, it was, made it made my dad so happy I married him and while Cece is now on Broadway and she has like this big show about bras it's wild yes she has t- like t- it's, it's like a little raunchy but it's not raunchy at all but yeah. when Hillary comes to see it she's scandalized by it yes because she's like I ride horses I can't talk about Brazier. Right. It's very <laughs> weird. It's very weird. But at this point, I think Hillary, we see that Hillary is starting to become jealous of Cece. Cece is becoming jealous of Hillary. Yeah. They're both having kind of weird feelings, but they're not actually expressing them. So yeah. during this visit, they're kind of being catty to each other. Yes. And they're saying some real, real crappy things to each other mm-hmm. very shadily in terms of like, you know, oh, you know, uh, Cece says to Hillary, or Hillary says to Cece, I don't remember which one, but one of them is like, you know, do you want to have children? And what, and then Hillary's like, well, I never thought, Cece, you'd want to have children. Yeah, there's definitely like a whole bunch of judgment about motherhood, about people that don't even have children yet. Yeah. And like, there's definitely um, Cece's feeling that there's still an attraction between Hillary and John, which, you know, I believe, but I was also like, I mean, you married, I don't know, you know, I was like, men are so awful. <laughs> like, why would you, you've already, you've married this woman, like, don't make her feel bad that you fucked her friend once. Right. Like, and- how about that but then hillary finally like lands the, the the big blow where she says to cc don't you think you were like the second prize like what, what were her it's exact so words do you remember mean. It was so mean yeah i mean the stuff i will say we'll get into this but the stuff that the women are willing to say to each other and i do want to say yes we realize this is a movie and yes we get <laughs> that like you know there has to be dra- dramatic effects but uh, elizabeth and i were texting about this a little bit about this idea that like art imitates life but then life imitates art and and you like think like, oh, that's a fine thing to say to my friend. Like, <laughs> sorry that you were second best that I fucked your husband first. I mean, this is a lot of the times why I like keep my hands to myself, like overall, like people I work with, because yes. I do not want to have to see you and remember. And the first thing I think is the time that we did something. <laughs> Anyway, so they're mean to each other and off Hillary flees back to California. And we go into a montage all montages yeah <laughs> and then uh during that period it's just cc so we only see cc sending letters to hillary hillary's never answering it she Her sends le- them back very aggressive yeah. passive aggressive it's, it's very rude yeah um and then eventually we get to a point where cc and john are breaking up during this montage and oh, sad she goes to see leona her mother and they're on a beach and on the boardwalk again and or florida and yeah, they're in miami i love the scene yes. this is probably my favorite scene actually in the whole movie yeah which is um cc is telling her mom that she's getting divorced and her mom's like oh cc that's too bad can't you guys work it out and she's like what's going on and cc's like well he doesn't pay enough attention to yeah, me yeah he stopped paying attention to me 
And Leona rips into her uh-huh. in a very, very calm but cutting way yeah. that I was like, that is master mothering. Yeah. And she says to Cece, she says, um, you are so exhausting. Yeah. It has been ever since you were a little kid, you've wanted attention. You want everyone to pay attention to you all of the time. You tired me out. That's why I live in Florida. You're tired your dad out. R.I.P. Like indicating yeah. that maybe yeah. she's the reason he died. And then she says the best line, which is, um, uh, if, if you wait, if you wait, if you know, what did she say again? Didn't you write it down? I did. <laughs> she said something along the lines of basically like, if you're always expecting expect, uh, people to pay attention to you and then they eventually don't, um, you're going to end up leaving everyone's, you're going to leave everyone. Right. Because every, yeah, because people can't pay. I mean, here's the bottom line. In our current language, what Leona is saying is you're an Enneagram four with a three wing. <laughs> You know, like you need... You just do too much. You need constant attention as a four and you got to be... Everyone needs to know that you're special, but then you have this three wing where you constantly have to achieve. Yes. And everyone also has to tell you you're great for that. And And so she just like can't manage it. Right. Everyone's like, you are a lot. And you see Cece like just like, oh man, that's the truth and I've got to walk away from this. So anyways... Then um, eventually Cece gets a show back into California mm-hmm. and she's at a, a club and guess who shows up at the club? Oh, that's our dramatic reading. <laughs> Hillary shows up and Hillary, I mean, this was a misstep when she's like, I forgive you. And really, Hillary was really a supercilious bitch, like about the motherhood stuff. Yes, she's the one who and like, she, was the last. And was like lording over the fact that Cece's husband still has the hots for her. Like, yes. it's not great. It's no. not great behavior. And then in this scene, we find out that Cece and Hillary, both of their marriages have fallen apart. Right. And now Hillary is pregnant and um, her husband does not want to have anything to do with her or her baby. Well, because he cheated on her, which she found out. It felt very Joy Luck Club, too, yes. didn't it? Like the fucking woman on the estate, like, doing whatever the husband wants he cheats on her anyway yep now she has a kid and it's it's exactly the same type of woman too exactly. like a blonde a blonde chick yeah um no shade adrian yeah <laughs> yes the one they cheat with is always a fucking blonde chick correct yes so then um <laughs> cc commits to being hillary's friend throughout the whole pregnancy but then and cc ends up like basically because her career like it now has been dumped and um she is like meets the ob guy for, for Hillary's baby and they fall in love and dresses weird up way. like a church lady and is like maybe I'll marry him and be a doctor's wife that's an odd section it was a weird it was weird yeah anyways she while she's engaged to this guy to be married she gets a phone call from John her yeah. original husband and John's like come back try to do this acting thing here because I've got a part for you yeah so she starts packing up her she bags she flees yeah I mean you know Cece's career I don't know if this is because it's the 80s and things are just like so different now but it's a little hard to track because I'm not sure why her career was in the toilet and why like two seconds later she could sell out the Hollywood Bowl like it is it's it's hard to track but I guess it doesn't fucking matter no it doesn't it's just Bette Midler so then Hillary is like you're abandoning me and Cece's like no I'll be back for the baby so then she does come yeah. back when the baby is about to be delivered yeah. and he, Hillary uh, Cece's career is blowing up and Hillary and her are like living their lives together and, and you know separately and then eventually uh, Hillary gets sick yeah and we find out that she is dying of a disease that everyone thinks is cancer but it, apparently yes. it is it's not viral cardiac myopathy yes that's what it is which I did some research on afterwards did and you? turns out they you do not have to die from it now oh, but good. back then you did die from it okay but it, it basically what this disease is is a lot of heavy sighing you know, a lot of like walking slowly. Yes. A lot of heavy breathing. A lot of big, beautiful hats. That they were right. Wearing. <laughs> <laughs> she was wearing. 
okay. A lot, of, a lot of blankets. Oh, a lot of laying on a chaise lounge. Yes. <laughs> it's a beautiful disease. <laughs> So Hillary says to Cece, like, I'm dying. And Cece's like, oh, no, but I come see you. Yeah, she leaves the Hollywood Bowl. And at this point, Hillary's baby is a, is an, is a young child. And yeah. the three of them go off to this beach house and they yeah. hang out in the beach house all summer. Yeah. They have a great summer. Great, like, again, another montage of, yeah. like, everyone's playing, everyone's hanging out. Then there's a whole scene between Cece and Hillary where, you know, Hillary's like, I'm dying. And Cece's like, well, you're not dead yet. <laughs> yes. I loved it. And um, then eventually Hillary dies. <laughs> yes. That's and then. Um, Cece has to take her daughter. Yes, Victoria. Yes, she's going to take her and she takes her straight to New York to her concert. Yep. And then we see <laughs> Bette Midler singing. <laughs> no, she's singing the other song, the one that she opens the show with. Oh, yeah. I can't even remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, I don't remember. There was either. a lot of. That's the glory of. That's oh, the story of, of love. love. But yes, but she says it in. She sings it in a mournful version and points at the sky and for waves. Hillary. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and then they thought, you know what? This is not enough. We need one more scene where they had uh, Victoria and Bette Midler or Cece holding hands and walking, walking backstage. And um, Victoria is asking about her mom. And Bette Midler is like, your mom, blah, blah, blah. That's how we met. Yeah. And scene. Yeah. The end. <laughs> it was quite, quite a journey. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think I said to you, I was like, I think it's a good, it's like an important film in terms of like female friendships and kind of promoting that. But the more I thought about that afterwards, I was like, wait a minute, there's a lot of other movies that are great <laughs> that, that are about female friendships. Really? Like what? Um, I was thinking about, uh, well, I thought immediately Thelma and Louise, but yeah. I think that came well, later. Well, they die. I mean, it's a bummer. Well, yes. I mean, anytime women want some kind of freedom and yeah. like ha- happy lives, they, yeah. they, they end up dead. Yeah. <laughs> we need to exhale. We saw that was also great. So far as female yeah, but friendships. Not, yeah, it wasn't even really about female friendships. Yeah, that's true. It didn't pass the Bechdel, no. Bechdel test. I mean, this movie, I will say, there was the the thing with John. So there was this tension about a man. But it was really about these two women's lives and how they intersect and, like, come apart and go together. Yeah. I think the longer I thought about it, though, I was, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I have to ever see this movie again. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know if I feel like it's a good movie. It is. Once I read Roger Ebert's kind of like one line about it, like lacking the life of spontaneity of life. I was like, you know, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) And it was interesting, too, because Gary uh, Marshall, who's the director of the film, also did things like Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Which I think is a great set of friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That had existed before Beaches. Yeah. Um, But let's talk about female friendships a little bit. Let's do it. One of the things that I thought was like uh, fun to watch is I love these opposites. I'm a big fan of opposites. Yeah. We're obviously somewhat opposites, but actually yes. very tied in the core. Yeah. Um, I just want, I was just thinking like maybe the audience should know how we met because I don't know if we've ever talked about that. Okay. So do you want to give them the story? Your version of the story? I'll give you my version. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a little unclear because it, as with many, you know, big romances, I knew who you were. But I don't, I cannot pinpoint how or where. I mean, probably on social media and maybe in some like storytelling or comedy shows. Like I knew who you were, but I was never like, oh, this is going to be my bestie. Because I was like, she's obviously like, <laughs> like <laughs> real rock and roll. The first time I remember being introduced to you in a one-on, well, I guess it wasn't one-on-one. But like in a real way was at your house for the Kate's meeting and you had a giant boot on. Yeah. And you came like lugging 
down the fucking hall of your living room to open the door, holding the dog back with by the collar. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if we had the dog at that point. You did. Yeah. So, so I remember. Yeah. I also don't really exactly remember you when I met you. But um, just for the audience, some background. Is, I think we've mentioned this before, but we were doing a lot of storytelling, which if anyone yeah. doesn't know what that is, it's basically you go up on stage and you just tell like stories that you've written about your life. So yeah, um, we were doing a lot of that and I was doing a lot of stand up. I think you were you also went through the Kates, which was a yeah. female stand up class. Fun yeah. Yeah. And um, I remember it being that we had this meeting because I also I'd seen you some way somehow, yeah. but I didn't really ever talk to you. Yeah. Um, and then I opened this door and I was like, she is so pretty. Shut that up. Is, like, no, that is exactly what I felt. I think I used to, I think when I first met you, I told you when I first opened that door, I was like, this woman is stunning. I think this, you're the stunning. only person that's that ever had this reaction. True. That is not true. <laughs> And I was so taken aback. I was like, oh, yeah, well, she's gorgeous, and we're not going to probably be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and for the people who don't know us, I have to kind of describe us a little bit. I mean, I'm sure you've seen us on our Instagram <laughs> handle. <Wolfield Pod. laughs> so if you haven't seen us, you should do that. But, you know, I'm like, I'm Korean and Puerto Rican, and I'm very dark, so I have like dark hair, dark you know, toned skin, lots of freckles on my face, and kind of like I like to call myself um, barrel-bodied badass. <laughs> That's how I would describe myself. <laughs> but Adrian, when I met her, she's like, you know, blonde, blue-eyed, like perfect. I mean, perfect bangs. Later, we're going to talk about <laughs> how her bangs almost broke us up. <laughs> so she has like blonde hair, and she's like. From top to bottom, right? She's like always dressed to the nines. Like you're always, you always have the right shoes on with the right shirt. Yeah. Whereas like I've worn the same pair of pants since like 1994. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this bitch was, it was cold. It was like winter and she had on like cut off jean shorts <laughs> and like a fucking tank top, you know, and she's got this giant boot on. I was like, she had like roller derby shit. She had like fucking horns on the walls. <laughs> I mean, there was like a lot happening that I was like, wow. <laughs> and so that's how we became friends and then like, yeah. as we were working together I think we just started to realize um, that we had a lot in common yeah because at the time Adrian was living in the city and we were really we really bonded on the fact that our history has been wildly similar even yeah. though we're so opposite and um, we used to sit in meetings, and when we get irritated with things, we would just like kind of text each other don't, back and forth. Don't tell our fucking secrets. <laughs> they might be listening. <laughs> we love you all. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was great, though. Like, I mean, and then that relationship just slowly kind of grew from there. Right. And then eventually... Um, I started a bike team, so I was like, let's do this like long-distance bike ride team. Yeah. And I think that's where we really started to bond. Well, and you know, that's really where you became the wind beneath my wings. And <laughs> that's something I've been thinking a lot about, about this movie, about the way that, like, how that song even ties in. So the song is about, you're the wind beneath my wings, you know, you're everything I wish I could be, you're all this support, you know, you're all this shit. And I was like, I don't know that that's actually what is in the movie. You yes. know, I don't know that's I mean, we see it later when she dies, but it's on the other foot, really. It's Cece that shows up. But I thought a lot about it in terms of like the way that you support me and like what that means in friendships, because I think 
people think a lot of times that it's just like, you know, you send a text or like you do whatever, you know, you go out for drinks. Yeah. And, and that, and that is fine on a lot of friendships, right? Like that's enough, but like you support me in very active ways that literally changed who I am. It changed the way that I experienced the world. Oh, I love it's a hundred percent true. I mean, cause I, you know, even how you helped me yesterday. I mean, like it, it with the bike teams, like I hadn't been on a bike in a thousand years. You were like, you can do it. It's fine. You took me to buy a bike. You like had patience with me when it was like really hard for me and everybody was in a better place. I mean, like it was just like you were always like very active in the way that you were like present and like thinking about me in a way that I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't even know. Like, I trust it now. <laughs> then, Because I think, you know, both of us are very similar in terms of like the responses we've had to things in our lives are like, you have to be independent. Yes. You have to take care of yourself and you cannot trust other people. 100%. And so you just take it all on. You do all the things. And it's fine for you to do things for other people because that's safe, right? But like, you cannot count that other people are going to show up and do things for you. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that that is um, something that I struggle with all the time, even till now. Like just over in 2020, I think I was looking at a TikTok and someone was like, hyper-independence mm-hmm. is a sign of trauma. And I was like, no, bitch. It's because you can't count on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a sign of trauma. <laughs> No, like you know, and um, no. This was a revelation to both of us yes. in the past, like couple of years. Like, yeah, that it, I mean, it, I think it. We had looked into this idea pre-pandemic, but it's definitely like in the past, like few years, where I think not only have we looked into the idea, or like we notice when it's happening. Because even remember when I moved to my condo, you had shown up for me a ton. We'd done the bike thing. We'd ridden a century together. Like I knew I could trust you. But when I moved to my condo, I still did not ask you to help me. And I was drowning. (laughs) And I definitely offered. I remember offering you several times being like, let let me help you. And you're like, no, the movers are coming. I was so stressed and I did not ask one person to do anything yeah. to help me well I think that's where we talk about where opposites are one thing where you like that you we present differently yeah but this is the core of where we are right yeah. like you know we both have suffered some really really traumatic things that required us to like only depend on I guess they didn't require us to depend on ourselves but yes they it was, did it was a way that what the it, fuck who were you depending <laughs> on Elizabeth <laughs> don't don't fucking diminish it because that is exactly the truth I mean when right, I, that is the message that we constantly are receiving do not diminish it because like when I got divorced my son was nine months old. I was living across the country from my closest family and friends. And I was in this abusive MFA program and there was no one to rely on. Right. And so there are certain people, obviously, Taylor, Zane, Jessa. I mean, there's people, I love you all in Oregon, Liz, who like did, they barely knew me right. at all, you know, and and they showed up to help me. But like in that time, I mean, I had to rely on myself completely and so I think after that it's really hard to unlearn those behaviors yeah well I mean and and then the trusting is like very very difficult I mean there is also like when you were you talk about me showing up for you you showed up for me right like I'm someone who's constantly thinking like I'm so stupid and like I'm not like able to like live a normal life where I don't deserve good things Mm -hmm. you know which is why I wear pants so old you know 
know, like it's and so it's hard for me to understand a life where like someone believes in my talent, someone believes in the things yeah. that I can do. Someone actually sees the things that I do, like those things that for me in meeting you was like a huge, huge because you would just simply say things like that. Like you're great, you're smart, you're talented. Yeah. And that was like what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but you would go the extra steps to be like, "Hey, you should do this," or "Hey, you should do this," or "Hey, even when we talk about writing a book, you're like, I will give you assignments every week." I mean, those things are things that I've never had ever in my entire life, and so it was really for me where I was like, "Oh my God, she's showing up for me, and I want to show up for her." Yeah, and I think that makes it like a really cool dynamic, and probably something I'm not very used to. Yeah, um, but this also makes me think about how these two girls and beaches. Uh, we're really young when they meet mm-hmm. and then the real meat of their relationship though doesn't come until they're adults yeah and you and I didn't meet until we're like you know I think I was already over 40 you were yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you were like in your mid-30s I just turned 42 years ago so <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 also where I think it's harder to make friends when you're older. That's what people say. <laughs> but it, it's truly not my experience. And I was thinking today just about this because, you know, I've had a shitty week. We can talk about it. We don't have to. But um, I've been thinking about all the people in my life and the people that, like, show up for me. And I was thinking about, and I know this, like I've said this before, that I'm very blessed in the friend department. And I always think, like, not so blessed in the man department or the love <laughs> department, right? But then I was thinking today that really I think it's because my relationships that I have set such a high bar. You oh, know, yeah, they good. really do, though. You know, I'm like, my friends are such amazing people and they're so amazing to me that it's like, you know, dudes like that are just like they barely text you back or they're fucking around with you or they're dating other people or they're whatever. I'm like, they just can't even hold a candle to the relationships that I already have. Right. You know what I mean? But anyway, I think I... I really found a lot of community through like storytelling and comedy and like um, I think becoming more of who I was like every day I really focused I think on that in my 30s and it brought a lot of people into my life I think that is a very important uh, distinction um, because I feel the same way you know I started the roller derby when I was 30 and I met some of the greatest friends yeah. I will ever have in my entire life. Y'all know who you are because you come over to my house when I want you to. <laughs> and, I, and I like to come to your house. Um, but like some of the greatest, like we don't have to talk for months. Yeah. And then when we're together, it's like nothing has ever happened. And we talk about very openly, like we don't have to do the small talk shit. We don't have to be yeah. like, well, how's your job? We're just basically like, I hate my husband. Yeah. <laughs> These goddamn kids. These fucking kids. Do you have you any know? money? Right. Me neither. <laughs> And I like that about the relationships. I like how gritty they are and how truthful they are and how honest they are. And so like, I think about how, um, I often, I I think often people talk about how hard it is to make adult relationships. And I think that maybe that is the key is that if you're out there and you need a friend, join a club, do something like that. That's where you can find a lot of cool people and, um, people that you don't normally have access to. Mm Mm-hmm. Without the roller derby, I wouldn't have met any of those people in any time. Or like, you know, one of my friends and a longtime listener of Wokefield, Coco, um, 
I met her at, at Phyllis's musical inn and we immediately connected and yeah. I loved meeting her and she was so awesome and I had a great time. She's still so awesome. But I think that if it had been a scenario in which I was just meeting her as a bartender, she might've been like Ugh, this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, but the, the Derby brought us together. Um, and I think about my friends that I had prior to that and I probably could count them all on one hand. I don't think that I had very mm-hmm. many friends before that, which also, increases this whole like isolation feeling um I guess the question to you would be that do you think that makes a difference like when you think about your childhood friends versus your adult friends where do you feel like there's a deeper connection if you meet as an adult do you feel like there's like or like what qualifies as like a really good friend yeah I think that's really interesting I mean I don't really have any childhood friends to be honest I mean I have some people that I see on Facebook hi um (laughs) But, like, my home life was not great. And my parents were not encouraging of me having a social life. They didn't want to take me anywhere. They didn't want me to be in any clubs because it would involve them taking me places. My brother and I always tell this story about how in the summer, after dinner, we weren't allowed to go outside. And, you know, in the summer, like, the it would be light until, like, 9 p.m. Right. <laughs> or, like, at least 8. And my parents would have dinner at, like, 4.30 or 5. This is who they are. And we would be, like, sitting on the sun porch, like, watching our friends across the street, like, playing basketball and shit. And we were not allowed to go. Really? Yes, wow, because that's crazy. Because my parents just didn't want to be bothered. They didn't want to be bothered with having to go out and call us to come back in. I mean, it's so weird, right? And so I think... And then when I was in high school, my parents were getting divorced. My mom was being a lesbian. Like, it, it was not. And and these were the, the times that it was not cool or okay to be a lesbian. Like, obviously, I'm super, like, into gay people. But, like, at these times, I'm just saying, when I was in 1995, like, I think that was the year that Pedro was on The Real World. And we first had, like, a right, gay yeah. person being, like, actively gay and, like, talking about it I mean I remember my mom was like concerned if people found out she could be fired so I wasn't like having people at my house like there was just so much weirdness so when I went to college that's really when like because I'm actually very social and fun and interested in having friends so that's when I started living my Jessica Wakefield dreams yeah you know like I joined a sorority like I was going out like I was doing all the shit and those friends from my sorority days are still my friends now, which is an amazing thing to have people that knew you then that know you now. And yes. you're seeing like all the ways that their lives are playing out. They're seeing the way your life is playing out. I mean, that's amazing stuff. That's also very similar again to to mine where we're like opposite presenting, but actually in, in, in yeah. the action is, is true. Yeah. So I also didn't have um, a lot of friends as kids because I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. Right. You know, my mom was like, also very afraid of like what her life was and like what it was going to be perceived as and she was like stay at home never go out you know you have these couple of friends that are kids of my mom of my friends right so they'll never tell our secret right so you can hang out with them um and then my sorority was like a roller derby right, right? <laughs> so um the one thing that I think about when I think about childhood friendships so and long-term friendships are two things one I think just because you've had a friend and I feel like this Ladies, listen to me right now. Ooh. If you are with a man, this is going to apply to the same thing, okay? <laughs> Just because you have known someone a really long time, have been together a really long time, does not make it a fulfilling or interesting relationship for you to stay in. Yeah, if you're not into it. 
Yeah. And I think that sometimes people just stay together forever because they're just like, well, we've known each other a long time. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I know you, but I don't really actually like you, which happened to a number of people that I knew as I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, friends who definitely were, because I had, I was pretty consistently with a, a certain people were like in friendships where I was like, why am I in this friendship? She really doesn't like me. And it feels very clear that she doesn't like yeah. me. And so that scene with um, Cece and Hillary, where they're doing like that back and forth kind of cattiness without being like a fight, mm -hmm. but just saying stuff that is like right under the breath that you're like, wait a minute, that didn't register right. I had a number of friends like that. And um, I, 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 I was I would try to fight for those friendships because I was like, we've been friends a long time. Mm -hmm. No, fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't be that way. It makes me think again about that stuff that these two were willing to say to each other. Right. Like really like cut each other to the core. Um, and again, I get it that it's a movie, but also like it, it just made me think because I, so I was like not in a great marriage and my ex-husband was willing to say all sorts of things. Right. To cut somebody to the core. Um, so I think because when I got divorced, I was 30 years old and so I feel that I'm very deliberate with my words in terms of like, like I would never say to you anything or any of my friends, like the shit that these people say to each other. And I think there is this vibe that with like unconditional love or true love or soulmates that you can do that. Right. You can say shit and you can like make a mistake and then, but I'll still always be a soft place for you to fall. You know, <laughs> I feel like that's a message that I had for a very long time that like, if you are, you know, you love somebody, either a friendship or a marriage or a relationship or even a parent that like, People can make mistakes and just, you know, whatever. But that's actually not correct. Right. To not be, <laughs> right, to not be accountable for the things that you say and do and yeah. how it affects somebody. Yeah. You know, um, I was just thinking when I was watching the show, too, is uh, the way that the two of them show up for each other. That even though, you know, at the end of the day, I think Sissy gets screwed the most because she ends up having to raise a child. <laughs> Sorry, Cece. Well, and Cece actually shows up for Hillary. Now, how does Hillary show well, up for Cece? I was going to say Cece maintained the relationship for a really long yes. time, and then she would. She was the one who act actively came to Cece. She's the one who was cheerleading Cece yes. on the whole time. Yes. So I think that's that's kind of the way that it works out. Although again, Cece gets fucked. <laughs> but um, I, you know, my longtime friend. Uh, or longtime friend Carmen, uh, who is also an avid listener. Hey, Hello, Carmen. Carmen. <laughs> um, she and I have had a, a real relationship in that way too, where we will go years without really talking to each other, or seeing each other. But recently, you know, I had some things happen to my mom, and Carmen lives not too far from my mom, and she's shown up for me every single time. Yeah, you know, and um, I want. Th I think that's another thing to note, listeners, is that friendships ebb and flow. Yeah, they come in together, they go apart, yeah. they come in together. And, you know, maintaining a relationship in which you you are respectful to each other and kind to each other and remember what your connection is, I think is so valuable. Yeah. In a way that um, can benefit you in different ways later in life without you realizing it now. You know, yeah. the show is about um, beaches is obviously about female friendships. And that's another thing that I was thinking about was do men have movies like this? Do men like, I hate putting my, my, my feet into men's shoes. 
<laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, like the closest we got was Dead Poets Society, which was, you know, like encouraging men to um, like think about existence and art in a different way and think about their emotions and like in a way that they were doing it together, like learning together. There weren't women around. So I think that was like the closest to like, you know. I can't think of like movies that aren't like The Hangover or like whatever. And most of the women I know who are married to straight men cannot talk about their husband's friendships because they don't exist. They're either the husbands of their wives' friends, right? Or it's like my buddy from high school that they talk to twice a year. Maybe they, you know, go on a weekend away. But like it, it I don't see a lot of straight men having the kind of, supportive relationship like that we have I mean we have like a partnership right yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's exactly I was like when CC takes you know Victoria I was like I don't know a single male friendship no I don't even think I have male friendships that I'm I would be like when I die can you take my, well, also, my children what, <laughs> if if you let's say you know like what man is coming to nurse his best friend and the best friend's kid at the beach house all summer. Yeah, I, I can't even like what, which which I think says a lot. And I, I when I was uh, during the pandemic, there was also an article that came out. It was floating around for a while on Facebook, but I thought it was a great, great article because I'd never really because I don't really like men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't take any time to really consider. Yeah, it's like uh, the, uh, the article was about how the pandemic, especially during lockdown. Um, was very difficult for men because of the fact that they don't have those kind of relationships, that they don't have anyone that they can contact. A lot of their friends are people that they go see the games with or people that they're going to parties with their wives with, but they're not people that have connected in a way that that should happen. And that makes me, for once in my life, very sad for men. It is is sad for men. It's a total loss for men, and it's a total, like – portion of living like an emotional present life that I think is missing for men because it's like if you only get that outlet with your wife that is the only person that you are emotional or like deeply connected to like that's a lot of pressure for one person to carry you know in the first place and I think you also lose out I mean you've changed my life just from your different perspectives on things that I have, you know, like, I mean, I can't, I, I'll probably think of a good example. It'll come to me, but there's definitely been times, especially my friend Taylor constantly challenging my thinking in a way that has changed my life for the better. Like I'll say like, you know, I just never published my book. I'm a failure. And she'll be like, Adrian, you know, and she, (laughs) she challenges my thinking in a way that's constantly moving me. So if men are just like, you know, bumbling through the world, they're missing out on this whole section of life. That's, I find that really very sad. Yeah. And I also think this will tie into our next subject, but like, I, I also think that this is why you and I really push on both of like both our kids is the idea of having a social circle yeah. of some sort, even just like one friend that you are connecting to on a, on a way that's like, not just, you know, let's get some beers, bro. You know, yeah. for you, it's a little bit more challenging because now you have a son who has special needs, but then also he's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's wildly emotional. So (laughs) he's deeply in touch with his feelings. So I assume he will um, find his people 
and be deeply connected to them. That's my my hope and my assumption for him. But you know, I I don't know. I mean, I feel bad for men in this one way but I also think it's a choice you know like if you but men have also been taught not to like talk to each other yes about anything important which is so weird and I I sometimes I'm like what what would they talk about like what do I'm like my husband for example is not somebody who's like I'm gonna watch the game he's like I'm gonna be like (laughs) making a 48 hour bean dip for my my, my wife's friend's party <laughs> it was very sweet it's so sweet but I'm just saying like that he isn't someone who, that that's a way that he connects with other right. men you know right and I don't know he's also very shy and doesn't really talk to a lot of people but like to put him in a situation where like I think about especially with this movie it's like I think about like the life if I wasn't around like how that would affect him or how it would affect my children I mean I thought about that with you I sent you a text and said like I know our kids are a fucking lot (laughs) they're a lot but like you know it might not be a great movie to watch right now because to think about your life what would happen to your kid after you go is very challenging especially when you're a single mom yeah. So, you know, this week my ex-husband has had like a pretty serious mental health crisis. And so it's had me thinking about like a lot of things. One thing being like the ways in which um, I still am pulled into assisting or helping, like not even in a codependent way, just right. in a fucking practical way that's being kind to my son and being kind to the members of my ex-husband's family. Um, and then how you're pulled into it by proxy. Right. I mean, truthfully, because as these things are going down, I'm telling you about them. You're on vacation. And I'm like, I should probably stop telling her about these things because I know that they're triggering for you because it's, it's similar experiences that you've had. But in this case, I did not stop telling you about them. <laughs> also, I don't want you to. No, but, I, you know, I wanted you to have fun on your vacation. But I was like, you know, sorry. <laughs> Well, I think the the thing to remember is always that I I did mine completely like most of it was like completely isolated, yeah. right? And I did so, that's how I felt at the beginning of my divorce. So I think to be so anyway, just to I'll, I'll synthesize this. So there was my ex-husband had a turtle and the turtle needed a home because like I my kid didn't want to take care of the turtle. We already have a dog and a cat. So I had to get rid of the turtle. And I assume that the turtle is a metaphor for how I feel about everything because <laughs> I found it very overwhelming. You know, I'm like, why am I, am I in charge of this turtle? It's not my turtle. You know, like I have, I this is my ex-husband of 12 years, but here I am now in charge of this turtle. And so I found someone on Facebook to take the turtle And you were like, okay, we'll go over there and we'll, you know, pack it all up and whatever. And I was immediately relieved just to have you come with me. And you're like fucking taking the pump. You're (laughs) pumping the water out. Like, and and just to be able to sort of like relax the burden of the turtle for a second. I mean, I'm like tearing up. I hope this makes (laughs) sense. I get that it's like a larger issue, but it felt so overwhelming to me. And to have, and that's what like, it's active support. Yes. You know what I mean? You like, and I, and I know that like, I have such a hard time asking for help or accepting help. And I know with you that I'm like, okay, Adrian, just shut it down. You don't have to like go through a whole mental drama about asking for help with this turtle right now. <laughs> but I want to, yeah, you know? But I think that again, goes to our whole hyper independence yeah. kind of problem. Right. Cause like, even when I was a single mom, I was also dating Mike. Yeah. And, I wouldn't ask him for anything. 
Right. You know, like if I had to ask him to like pick up the kids or whatever. Right. It's like mortifying. Like, <laughs> like you failed, even though it's your ex-husband who put you in this situation. Right. So yes. like when, when my ex-husband would like disappear for a week yeah. and like I have to still work because I'm the only one working. Right. And it was like my husband, at the my time, Mike was, you know my boyfriend but like even having to I would just have to take the time off of work like I was just like right which is what I would do too versus asking someone to help who was able to help I would be like no no and would want to help me I mean there's no question that my husband did and wanted to help me as a single mom there's no question about that but I also think that that is what makes me so fiery about helping you because I'm like it sucks it is I'm gonna cry too but I'm like (laughs) it sucks it is so hard and there's no one I mean people are like even when I say to you I understand how you feel yeah there is something that the the feelings that you have as a single mom struggling to deal with your children when you have someone who is completely undependable that is their father who you will be connected with for almost the rest of your life yeah right through this person there's something that's in that feeling that's so isolating and it's because it's only your dynamic with that person and your dynamic with that child. No one feels that. Yeah. No one understands that feeling. And no matter how much someone's like, I feel your pain. I understand what you're going through. It's not true. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean the most things that I found the most helpful this week were just like real, like active support. Like my boss was like, don't worry about coming to work this week. Yeah. And that was like the best thing that I needed. My mom was like, here is some money. <laughs> like, and on it, I'm like, that is what I needed. Right. You know, you were like, I will pump this fucking turtle water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like Mario, <laughs> the turtle, yeah. you were t- trying to get back into your shell <laughs> while, while I was trying to lift you up. Yes. <laughs> but also, I should also say, like, it was also very meaningful to me that you were also thinking about my kiddo yes and like what he needed and what we could do for him and how we should do it you know and like we had a couple friends come over last night and like one of them brought like a special gift for max like it's really really touching to like I don't know I think I sometimes am a person that's like well I don't know what to do (laughs) you know what I mean like in terms of supporting someone you are very good at being very just like active you just like jump in and you do the things and I think I get more like oh what if I do the wrong thing and it wasn't what the person wanted and I think I learned from you that like I have good intentions I have good sense like I should just like get in when somebody needs something and just show up because that active support is like you know it's everything I appreciate you calling it active support because I call it crisis management yeah well it's that too (laughs) because that's that's I mean I think that for both of us that is something that we are constantly dealing with yeah I mean I even so you know another another fan of of the woke podcast (laughs) Anita is having her bachelorette party you know and I've known her a long time so like I kind of know the things that she loves and she doesn't love and we were like bachelorette party and so anyways we were talking about it and um even with that like I had to do like a whole bunch of like here's some options here's some things to think about here's some things that we can't do here's some things we can do and then I was like you got to make a decision she made a decision I knew she was going to change her mind she did change her mind and so I already had a backup plan because that is how I'm constantly functioning as a person because I had to do it for so long yeah which is exhausting yeah it's exhausting but I also feel like because I've been doing it so long, it also feels 
good to me. I agree with that. It's, and that's something I felt a lot this week. Like there were tasks. And so you're just like, you pull your shit together and yeah. you just do the things that have to get done. But I did notice other things in myself that I think have grown from our friendship and also therapy. Like when people asked me how I was doing, I was like, well, not great. Like things are hard. These are the issues. When normally my Enneagram three self would be like, everything's fine. I've got it. Don't worry about it. Like, I think I have realized in the past like few years that like being vulnerable and telling people how you actually feel and like what's actually happening doesn't mean that you're a failure. But even though none of this had anything to do with me. Right. I didn't do anything. Right. You were just but living I your life. But I still was like, had moments where I was like, well, I'm a failure I've fucked everything up. And I think that's also this like sort of weird trauma response where you're trying to like take back control. It is for me because I'm like, if I was better, if I did things better, this wouldn't be happening. Exactly. I, and I think that that has been something you and I both have together really tried to unpack. Yeah. You know, because um, I met you obviously later in my process with with that whole thing is it was easier to give you some insight and some support in a way that I didn't have it. And to me, oh my God. <laughs> And to me, that's important to pay it for. Yeah. And it's important to be like, um, it's important to me to also show my children yeah. that it is good to be a good person yeah. and to like provide for somebody where you need to provide for them, yeah. you know? Um, and it comes back. Yeah. It always comes back. And you always give it back to me. You always take care of me. You took me to West Elm to buy throw pillows. I really have changed your life in a lot of ways in terms of some bougie luxuries. <laughs> I mean, I am so happy. And then, you know, I, I had that whole, you guys, this is such a stupid story, but like, and we're going to wrap it up seeing we're going to do a quick fire, like get to know you real quick. Oh, fun. Event. But um, Adrian at one point gave me a pair of Hunter rain boots i literally went to therapy because of it <laughs> they were hurt i mean they're very nice boots but like to to, to kind of put it in like a global perspective um she gave me a pair of used boots and i don't buy well, this i mean they're right? no, hunter saying, rain boots. but like i don't i don't spend that kind of money i don't have those kind of things and i definitely needed a pair of boots yeah. right so then like adrian gives me these boots and i'm like i know how expensive they were and i got like really upset about it <laughs> because i love that she gave me those boots but then i was like someone's taking care of me i need to call my therapist <laughs> <laughs> and I just spent a whole hour crying over the fact that someone thought of me. And it yeah. was like wild. I mean, because yeah. that's who we are. All right. Real quickly. Wait, I want to say one last thing before we move on, which is if you die, I will spend, I'm making this promise to you that I will text your children every day <laughs> about all my amazing memories of you and how amazing you are as a person and how lucky they are that you're their mother. Because I don't think they want to come live with me. They're too old. <laughs> They're too old. Yeah. But I, I will keep your memory alive every fucking day. I was. I think I wrote. You, you may have to take Max right, if I, I, was like, I I would. I would take Max. My husband probably would be really pissed at me. But I'd be like, look. I don't think he would. He might like having a man around well, the house. You know, he, also, he also brought Max a, a wishbone. That he dehydrated party. for four hours. <laughs> like, and then we had a wishbone drama. But, you know, it was really sweet. <laughs> 
All right. Okay. Real quickly, because we're we got to wrap it up. There, we are going to do a quick uh, best bestie quiz. I'm super excited. I didn't read these because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to. I don't want to cheat. Okay. So we're going to do the first round. Is going to be just questions about okay. how well you know me. Okay. Excited. And then I will answer yours. Okay. Okay. And then the next one's going to be either ors, and then we can describe. We can discuss those. Okay. Based on what you like versus what I like. Okay. I got it. All right, I first, think, okay. this, one, this one's for the millennials and all the Gen Zers out there. Okay. Adrian, what is my star sign? You're an Aquarius, aren't you? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a Pisces. Yes. Okay, cool. So that's the warm up. That's super easy. Okay. All right. Um, what's the main thing I don't like about myself? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I honestly... Do not feel that I want to say any of the things that I know because they're not <laughs> accurate and they're not kind. And it's not even real. Okay. I'll, I'll let you skip it because we're short on time. Okay. <laughs> but I know all of our secrets. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you can say it about me. I'll be fine. But I don't want to say anything mean about you on our special beaches day. Okay. What, <laughs> what annoys me about you? Oh, God. Well, you definitely get annoyed when I say that I'm chill because you do not agree with that <laughs> statement that makes you mad. Um, I think you can also get annoyed when I uh, like circle a topic and will not drop it. Like I haven't <laughs> figured it out yet. Like it's like my bangs or like I keep bringing up like something I'm writing. You're like, Adrian, an agent will come. Like, please shut the fuck up. And I'm still like, so I'm having a feeling about my agent search. <laughs> I would say that maybe those are like top things. I think also you get very mad if I say that I can't do something. Oh, like that if makes I'm not, me mad. If yeah. I'm not an athlete, you get very mad <laughs> about that. That does that gets me. That's probably a very big trigger point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what annoys you about me? Um, what annoys me about you? Wait. Yes. Right. Me, yeah. Gosh, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I annoy you that often. <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> yeah, I think because usually you're you're you just are an outward thinker, so yeah. you're always thinking outward, and yeah. then I kind of like hold things back, and I yeah. just like wait until you're you're done. Um, the one thing that did annoy you about me is when I was like, "Do not buy that dog." And yeah. then we get, and then I wouldn't let it go, and then I had to be like, "I gotta leave Adrian alone on this one," yeah, and just like reflect a little bit, Elizabeth, about like why you gave a fuck about Adrian's dog. <laughs> Sometimes you can be a little bossy, but yes. I can also be opinionated, so it doesn't bother me that much. What do I order at a bar? Oh, well, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> a whiskey. I would take credit for the fact that sometimes you like to start with a light beer. <laughs> I think I've taught you that, which was not a way that you used to be. If, Never. If we were at a restaurant, sometimes you would have wine, but not really. You usually choose like a cocktail, sometimes a tequila Bloody Mary, a lot of things. That's true. That's yeah. true. If you were at a bar, you would order uh, a Coors Light. Yeah. And if they didn't have a Coors Light, you'd order a Miller's Light. Yeah. Miller Light. If they didn't have either one and said that they didn't have a domestic beer, they would tell you they have small craft beers. And then you'd be like, well, what's the difference? Yeah. I would say I would like the pissiest beer. Right. You're like, yeah. I want the, the, the easiest, lightest beer. Correct. And then, yeah. And then you'd also order Coke. Yeah. Or a water. <laughs> right. What is the one singer slash band that I love the most? The most? <sighs> That's fucking rough because you like a lot of music. 
I mean, I don't even get a genre. No, I, th- I think it's a hard question for you to answer. It, yeah, you I had mean, the right answer. Yeah, I don't even feel like this is fair, like in terms of like knowing someone because I mean, I would say I could I could think of like top picks for you in different genres. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, your top ones are probably Hall and Oates. I fucking love Hall and Oates. <laughs> Phil Collins. Yeah. I mean, 80s soft rock. I was like, anything that you would hear at a grocery store. Actually, matter of fact, uh, my friend Kelly Kapowski made me a grocery store list. It's my favorite. List, and Adrian loves it. When, when I I'm stressed, it. like she'll put it on. But wait, what, is, what would you say your number one musician is? I, I, I would agree with your answer. Oh, it was a trick question. <laughs> I like too much music. All right. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you definitely have to be like, what is this specific I was like, category? is it the Rolling Stones? Yeah, is it Elvis? Is it Cardi B? <laughs> uh, what is my biggest pet peeve? <sighs> you have a lot of things that annoy you. <laughs> <laughs> About like other people. <laughs> God, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have, I do have a lot. A what would lot you of pet say peeves. your biggest pet peeve is? I think my biggest pet peeve is probably when people are just being inconsiderate on any level. I was going to say people calling your work yeah. and like not making any effort to solve their own problems Correct. or being an asshole. You really don't like when people make no effort to solve their own problems. Yeah. And I, do, I don't like it when people are like just rude yeah. and like being like just shit people. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like be a good person, yeah, people. Yeah. Um, I think your biggest pet peeve is your ex-husband your kid <laughs> your dog your cat and the that you're gonna get a turtle <laughs> i mean thank god we got out from under the terror of the fucking turtle honestly um would i rather have lunch with barack obama or the grocery bag boy who winked at me if he's tattooed and gross the grocery bag boy <laughs> Yeah. If he looks slightly threatening and dangerous, that's the one you would choose. I think you would pick Barack Obama if he brought Oprah with him. Yeah. I think Barack Obama would feel like a lot of pressure for you. You wouldn't feel worthy. So you'd be like, let me take this trashy. (laughs) I would definitely say something that makes us both uncomfortable. Yeah. What am I currently watching? Oh, God. Vikings. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You have uh, Survivor. Yeah. 90 Day. Yeah. Pam and Tommy. Yeah. Um, What else are you watching? Great mm. British Bake Off. I'm being soothed. What? <laughs> I didn't yeah. know you were watching that. Well, just like rewatching at night, you know, for a little soothing energy. My therapist likes me to think about what I'm ingesting in my <laughs> media fair. diet. That's fair. <laughs> what is my favorite breed of dog? That one's easy. I mean, I would assume it's your pit bull, but you always talk about getting like a tiny bag dog. I do want a bag dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is obviously a cockapoo. I don't really like um, dogs. <laughs> what is what is your favorite memory of us? Oh, Honestly, the first, I don't know that this is my favorite memory because we have a lot of yes. actually <laughs> fucking peak moments. But I would say the first thing that came to mind is you and me in Ohio climbing this ridiculously tall hill on our bikes and then getting to the top and being like, it's just like, you know, when you think you can't go anymore, you continue to go. Or like, we're just like, we reciting, had like a bike philosophy we were moment. just like reciting to each other, like statements that are on like wall art in people's yes. kitchens. And we were like, no, but that's really what it is. Right. It's just like, I said to myself, Live, laugh, I love. will not climb another hill, but you can't control if there's another hill. Like, <laughs> Also, one of my favorite memories, 
Um, mine would be the fact that we drove through Scotland, yeah, through that national park, yes, um, which was going up the mountain. It was the first time I'd ever driven in another country on the wrong side right. of the road, on the wrong side of the street, in the wrong side of the I'm car, sorry, wrong side of the car, yeah. And Adrian just being like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> anytime I got too close to the cliff, he was just like, like, it's okay. <laughs> And then when we finally swapped, she got like the easy, like all like the expressway. You 100% took the hardest first journey. But also there was no way of knowing that. There was, we had no clue. Yeah. We, we, but you probably would have sacrificed yourself as tribute regardless. It was. was (laughs) All right. Just for the sake of time, we're going to go speed round beaches or mountains for you. Uh, Mountains. Really? Yeah. I thought you'd pick beaches. Uh -uh. I picked beaches. All right. Bad haircut or bad hair color. (laughs) (laughs) i i I don't know neither neither uh i would go bad haircut i mean i'll take my take my pinky finger in first (laughs) (laughs) birkenstocks or converse obviously birkenstocks converse yeah tacos or pizza pizza tacos yeah uh books or telly telly (laughs) sorry yes me too (laughs) yeah sorry zombies or vampires Mm, I don't care about either. What? I mean, whatever. What if Brad Pitt was playing a zombie. Yeah, I mean, I I do love World War Z with Brad Pitt, so I will take zombies. Okay. Money or soulmate? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, obviously soulmate, but like, I would love to be rich at this point. What if your soulmate had money? Then it's no no brainer. One hundred percent. That's the ideal. Uh, I would definitely go money because I would use my money to find a soulmate. <laughs> I'd be like, hello, 23-year-old boy. You would toss me over the edge for some millions. All right, good to know. Phone call or text? Text. Phone call. Too too hot, too cold? Oh, I hate being too cold. I know. I knew that answer. I hate being too hot. Nordstrom's or Salvation Army? That one's easy. Okay, that's stupid. These are (laughs) just like, we both like different things. Nicole Kidman or Pamela Anderson? I mean... Pamela, probably. Yes. After Pam and Tommy, I'm a Pam fam. All right, the last one. Okay. Spit in Brad's mouth or have him spit into yours? What the fuck is wrong (laughs) with you? What is wrong with you? I started feeling real sexy at the end of these questions. That's not even sexy. That's like violence. No, (laughs) that is now how people like to do things. What? I've never seen that. They like spit in each other's mouths. They choke. It's, you know, we've been out of the game a long time, Adrian. Listen, I would ruin my life for Brad Pitt so he can do whatever he wants. He can choose. (laughs) All right. The last question. Okay. This is a full question. Okay. Give our listeners one piece of advice about friendship. Oh, okay. Um, I thought your advice about like putting yourself out there in terms of like going to clubs or following your interests was really great advice. And it really brought a lot to me. And I would say the next step of that is like not being afraid just to like reach out to people. Like I stalked people on Facebook who I was interested in, my friend Jeremy, and like would comment on his shit and like message him to like hang out. And same with you. I mean, like, I think you have to just be like, I'm a worthy person who is cool. And like, I deserve to have friends. And so I would say that's the number one thing about making new friends. And then I think with friends you already have, um, I think one thing that I practice a lot with you and my other besties is speaking the truth, but also being aware of what truths people are prepared to hear. 
Oh my God, that is so good. Yeah, but truths are people are prepared to yeah, hear. Yeah, because because it's it's not okay to be a bull in a china shop and just be like, well, you fucking, uh, you know, you can't <laughs> do that, and and that's not fair, and it's not even your place in the way that people are, you know, on their journeys. But being supportive and truthful is very important. I love that. Yeah, I love that, and I think that's a great note to close on. Wait, you're not going to give advice? I just did. Oh, okay. earlier in the show. Oh, okay, I? great. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm glad you're managing the the time today because I'm like we could just keep talking. I mean, we could talk forever. Yeah. But I definitely. I mean, if I if I were to give another piece of advice, I would be like value, like learn to uh, what yeah, the yeah. true value of a friendship is, yeah, yeah, yeah. and make sure to to exercise that, and then also um, make sure that you're getting it back. It has yes. to be like reciprocal and live it. You know, yes. like show up and fucking pump the water out of the turtle tank when <laughs> you when for you it's not a big deal, but you see for your friend that they're like going through it and they don't feel to pump the water out of the turtle tank <laughs> is, goodbye mario <laughs> this, this this episode is dedicated to mario the bon turtle voyage. <laughs> fly all right <laughs> thanks for listening to wokefield that's our season wrap-up i know i'm so sad follow us on instagram at wokefield pod and tell us what you think did you love this season i did yes I thought season two was super fun so fun should we uh should we deal with the same thing in season yeah. three or what do you, you guys want to hear something else and um rate and review us yeah i all mean right. we know there's at least like 325 of you listening so <laughs> So please provide feedback to us because we are talking about season three. We're super excited. And as always, you know, rate and review us because we're middle-aged ladies and we need our voices lifted. (laughs) 